Let's talk to Bill Thielman now, former Vancouver City Council candidate. Bill is a veteran B.C. political strategist and campaigner, and I'm always pleased to welcome him. Hey, Bill. Hey, Mike. Uh, welcome back. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. The The COVID uh, run has been a little rough here. Have you guys had it, your place? Uh, one family member has it right now, not in my home, oh. fortunately, but... And uh, I had it earlier this year. Uh, I got through it fairly easily. My wife had it at the same time, and it was not so easy at all. So yeah. I really, uh, like you, I encourage people. To, I'm, I've had six vaccination shots, and I'm waiting for number seven. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'll be getting that booster as soon as, as soon as I can here. Okay, Bill, let's talk about what's going on in the B.C. legislature. So the legislature in session that last week, back for the fall, shut down this week, but back next week. And this is what I find really interesting. This wild card here that's been put into the deck now with the B.C. Conservative Party. They've got two MLAs. They have official party status at the legislature here. John Rustad, the B.C. Conservative leader here, really getting people worked up. Now, have a listen to David Eby here last week in the legislature. Now, this was after the conservative leader, John Rustad, used his first question uh, in the legislature uh, it, it, and EB did not like it one bit. Let's listen to him. It is outrageous that he would stand here and do this. He sees political advantage in picking on kids and families and teachers and schools who are just trying to do their best for kids who are at risk of suicide. Honorable Chair, shame on him. Choose another question. Okay. Speaking about the SOGI program in BC schools, sexual orientation and gender identity in schools. And the thing that I found interesting there, Bill, is that... That response from EB triggered a standing ovation in the legislature with a lot of his opponents standing up to applaud him as well, like the members of the BC United, the official opposition party, on their feet, giving the premier a standing ovation. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, it's, it's a complex equation in this politics now, Mike, because we've got four parties in the legislature. We also have the Greens there. And I think pretty clearly the squeeze is on... BC United, formerly BC Liberal leader Kevin Falcon, because he he threw Rustad out. He said, "Get out of my house," uh, yeah. and Rustad Rustad set up his own house, and now he's got Bruce Banman joining him there. And I'm not totally convinced nobody else will join from the BC United side. Kevin Falcon said repeatedly, "No one else is going to go," but. Uh, there were three MLAs in BC United that didn't join the standing ovation. And uh, so whether that means anything or not, I don't know. But, yeah, it's pretty unusual stuff. Uh, I think, obviously, John Rusted is calculating that there are a significant number of parents and other British Columbia voters who don't like SOGI, don't like uh, you know anything to do with gender identity, sexual identity, or maybe even sexual education in the schools, and that they're worth courting even though you get roasted. And Rusted yeah. was really roasted in the house and outside the house as well. Um, very nasty exchanges also between uh, MLA for BC United, Eleanor Sturco and Bruce Bamman from the Abbotsford, uh, BC, now BC Conservative. Really nasty stuff. We, we haven't seen that kind of level of nastiness in the ledge, and, and you know more than I, for quite a long time. Yeah. Let's listen to Falcon here. Now, here's the leader of the opposition here, leader of BC United, of course, formerly the BC Liberal Party. And here he is explaining why he joined in in a standing O, a standing ovation for NDP Premier David Eby. Here he is. If we're ever going to you know, uh, unite with the NDP, it'll be over making sure that vulnerable children aren't being exploited for political partisan purposes. Okay, so he supports the SOGI program in schools. The, the NDP government, of course, supports it. The BC Green Party supports it. So the Conservative Party here standing alone on this issue. But man, I'll tell you, 
like you listen to EB going after Rustad here, and he's outraged by Rustad's question. Secretly, you give this guy a shot of truth serum here. Would he admit that <laughs> this conservative leader, this emergence of the B.C. Conservative Party, this is political gold for the NDP? They must love this. Well, I think they do to a certain degree, Mike. But, uh, you know, my political observations and long time in politics as well, I look at some of the seats in the Fraser Valley, some of the seats in Richmond, some of the seats in, in other spots like Langley, where the NDP has made historic victories for the first time in the 2020 election, knocking out uh, the B.C. Liberals. And I wonder, could they flip right over to B.C. Conservative if B.C. United really falters and people say, hey, I have a choice and I don't have to go with with Kevin Falcon or David Eby, I, I'm going to go with Rustad and these guys. I, don't, I think the NDP, and you know, they're running ads on Twitter. Uh, I think the NDP are nervous about that possibility because uh, it's good to have uh, a party splitting the vote uh, amongst your, your opponents on the right-hand side of the fence that are right fence. But if it gets too good, then it causes you problems. Okay, I also think that there may be another BC United MLA or maybe two or more who decide to switch over to the B.C. Conservatives. Certainly if it's an existential issue and they're going to lose their seat if they don't, it might just be a survival move. Your thoughts? Oh, oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think if we've seen, uh, we just had the Leger poll. The Leger poll was pretty brutal for, for Kevin Falcon. I mean, 42 NDP, 25 Conservative, 19 B.C. United, and 10 for the Greens. That is uh, brutal, but that wasn't the first poll, and it's not the last poll that's going to show the Conservatives either ahead of or very competitive with BC United. Now, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, Mike, but my, my sense <laughs> is Kevin Falcon's whistling through the graveyard right now when he says, I don't spend a day thinking about the Conservatives. I don't spend any time <laughs> looking at polls. That's all you ever do in politics is worry yeah. about where you are in the polls and what you can do about your opponent. So <clears throat> I, don't, I don't get the feeling that they've totally grasped this. And I'm surprised that Kevin Falcon hasn't started saying things like, you know, if this keeps up, David Eby will, can just have a cakewalk into the legislature and as premier once again, and we've got to, got to reunify uh, the right, and it's got to be around BC United. I think that message will come. But we get a couple more polls like that because you can't just ignore yeah. it. Talking politics here with Bill Thielman. Let's talk a little bit about BC ferries here, Bill, and your thoughts on the government's move here. For cancelled ferry sailings, the government would fine BC ferries up to $7,000 per cancellation. Does this make any sense at all? The opposition says it does not. Let's listen to BC United MLA Trevor Halford here. He says it doesn't make sense to fine BC ferries. He explains why here. Listen. The $7,000 fine is basically being imposed on the person that's missed the ferries because... BC Ferries is subsidized by the provincial government. Um, so in essence, they're finding themselves, which means they're finding the taxpayer. Yeah, so BC Ferries subsidized a, a 200 million bucks a year right now by BC taxpayers. So aren't you effectively fining, fining taxpayers by finding them? Bill, what do you think of this? Yeah, I, you know, Mike, I, I kind of uh, equated it to a swear jar in the house where everybody who swears has to put a quarter or a loony in. Uh, ultimately, the money stays in the house, though, you know. So uh, yeah. it's a bit funny, but uh, I, I have seen some of the explanation. I think it wasn't totally communicated the clearest way, but BC Ferry saves about 7000 in fuel costs when it doesn't run. Uh, on one of its routes. When it cancels a ferry, it saves about $7,000 in gas. So it's kind of like robbing Peter to pay Paul or putting it back in the kitty, I guess. 
Uh, <laughs> I think I think they really wanted to kind of send a message to the public that hey, we don't like this either. We're going to do something about it. But but I, you know I agree. Ultimately, BC Ferries is government dependent and government owned, even if it's not a crown corporation. And um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, why don't they just throw the captain in jail for seven days instead? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's always difficult to try and figure out this pretzel logic here on BC mm-hmm. Ferries that it's it's mm-hmm. a private company owned by the government effectively. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. try and figure that one out. That doesn't, that doesn't make much sense. Okay, last point. Let's talk a little federal politics here right now. And it was interesting to listen to former federal NDP leader Ed Broadbent here to say that maybe Jugmeet Singh and the NDP are just this deal they have with Trudeau to prop up Trudeau and keep him in power. This is dragging on too too long here. Could we be into an early federal election here? Let's listen to Trudeau here. Here's Trudeau saying how he feels the pain of Canadians here. Let's listen. Global inflation has made cost of living a real challenge for lots of people. All summer, members of Liberal Caucus have been talking to Canadians, listening to people's worries about their future, about how difficult it is to make ends meet right now. Okay, so he feels your pain. What about the the NDP and Jugmeet Singh? Should they continue to prop this guy up here? Yeah, well, what Ed Broadbent said, the former leader of the NDP, a very esteemed guy in NDP circles and beyond that, sure. he just said, "Look, you should have you've got a supply and confidence agreement to keep the Liberals in power until 2025, right, right through basically until the election. You should have made it a year sooner than that, so that you would have a year to." Put some distance between yourself and Justin Trudeau. Take some credit for things like uh, dental care and pharmacare programs that the Liberals are bringing in as part of that confidence and supply deal. I, I think Ed is really uh, got huge time for Ed Bridman as well. I think he's really sniffing that, you know, the closer you are to Justin Trudeau, as Polyev and the Conservatives rise, the more likely you're going to get punished by voters who think, you know, you're responsible for everything that Trudeau says and does, which isn't the case. They're not even in the cabinet, but but they have got some good uh, good concessions of the Liberals, but ending it a year early. And I don't rule out the fact that Jagmeet Singh and the NDP caucus might say, you know what, we're done with this agreement. Um, we're bailing out. We're canceling it ourselves. Yeah, because this deal, as it exists right now, is supposed to be in place until what, 2025, Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, a, lo- a long time. So, if they start having second thoughts about that, could that possibly trigger an early election? I, I think it's a real possibility, and I think yeah. you know, right now, Mike, the the fulcrum point is national pharmacare, and we've seen that the uh, the NDP wants a national pharmacare program. The Liberals are kind of saying, "Nah, not really." Yeah. Okay. And would Jugmeet Singh and the federal NDP want to roll the dice on an early election here right now, though? Not right now, I don't think, but uh, I think if they give themselves a bit of runway, they could think about it. And, you know, in politics, sometimes, I mean, <clears throat> you're going to cut your losses at points. If you think that the Conservatives are just going to keep going and going, you're going to have to think, I'd rather, I'd rather have an election now than six months from now. Even if I'm going to take some losses, I might take bigger losses later. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD.
We've got open phone lines right now, 604-280-9898, star 9898, toll free on yourself. Bill Thielman is my guest. Doug in Surrey. Hi, Doug, go ahead. Hi, Mike and Bill. It's good to hear you, Mike, that you're in good health again. Bill, you're always a breath of fresh air in this uh, retirement world. I live in uh, but this uh, early election before Polyev gets totally out of control, uh, let's face it, uh, he's getting his strings pulled from the back room with the big boys that run the uh, Conservative Party, and nine and a half years of Harper was enough to cure me of ever voting for anything conservative. Uh, let's get <laughs> let's get this guy uh, tethered in before he gets totally out of control and ends up with a majority government. It's scary to think about what the uh, the power boys in the Conservative Party of Canada would do to this country if they ever got loose again. Okay, Doug, thank you for that. Well, maybe too late now. Like, I'm looking at a Nick Nanos poll here right now, Bill, and it says Conservatives got majority government territory right now. Your thoughts? Oh, yeah, there's no question about that. And, you know, uh, it takes a a long time to dig yourself a deep hole, and Justin Trudeau's been doing that for quite some time, pretty obviously. I mean, the Conservatives, by the popular vote, won the last two elections. Trudeau won the first one in 2015, but the next two elections, the Conservatives won more more votes, but uh, didn't win as many seats because their votes are concentrated so highly in places like Alberta, Saskatchewan. But <clears throat> right now, you know, we've seen the B.C. breakdown. B.C. Conservatives and federal Conservatives would do quite well in this province uh, and in Ontario. So I think, uh, you know, I, the only thing that you can cure that is with time. And the question is, is, is Pierre Polyev and are the Conservatives federally peaking too soon, peaking too early? Um, I, I don't know about you, Mike. You've interviewed him a few times. I just find Pierre Polyev uh, just comes across as kind of a, a, a kind of an angry, nasty guy. I don't, I don't think that's the most flattering kind of a uh, personality to profile. Maybe he'll change it. He's been showing up with his wife and his, his baby more often, and maybe he can tone himself down enough to get through this. But uh, his chippiness really, I think, is a turnoff. That said, when people look at their mortgage going up 500 bucks a month, they're going to say, I don't care how bad he behaves. I'm, he's the only guy can beat Trudeau. I'm voting for him. Well, haven't you seen him, though? He's got no glasses, and he wears T-shirts a lot. Oh, Doesn't yeah, he look yeah. like a nicer guy now? Yeah, I know he's doing a definite image remake, and, and I would yeah. say it's mostly working. But, you know, you get you let him go on at a microphone for any length of time. And, uh, I mean, when we saw this, when the new speaker was elected, Trudeau thanks the speaker, a very gracious speech, so does Jagmeet Singh. Pierre Polyev says, thanks very much, and I need your help in stopping Trudeau from all his outrageous <laughs> behavior, just a totally political a partisan trash job on Trudeau while the speaker is the new speaker is on the chair. Yeah. I just thought that was inappropriate, and you okay. know he just does that kind of thing. Okay, George in Nanaimo. Hi, George. Go ahead. Hi, guys. I've been waiting to get at Keith the last few days, but he keeps saying that the surge in the polls for the conservative is the result of voter confusion. That we don't know who the United are, and I eat a hundred percent wrong. We know exactly who they are. And when John Rustad says that there's only one right-of-center party in British Columbia, he's 100% right. United are nothing but NDP light. They're lockstep with them in a lot of the policies that we, frankly, do not support. Okay, George, thank you for that call. Okay, talking about the B.C. Conservative Party and the role they're on right now. Bill, 30 seconds, your thoughts. Yeah, I think the B.C. Conservatives have lots to say. I mean, they, it was the B.C. Liberals who became united, who brought in the carbon tax that the federal Conservatives say it's a horrible thing to have a carbon tax. There's lots of differences, but I can tell you as a longtime NDPer that B.C. United are not NDP light. <laughs> not a chance. Bill, thank you for coming on today. My, my pleasure, Mike.